growing up the way that I did, wanting to be perfect, my sister and I were overweight. We would be called Bertha Butt. I had those teachers tell me that I wasn't good enough. My medical records is the way that they described me. Depressed, fearful, frightened, angry, helpless, hopeless, depressed, worthless, detached. And now I'm speaking to like 800 of you. And I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm really not. Our experiences, both good and bad, make us who we are. And a big one for me is my battle with mental illness and my stay in the mental hospital. It's my story, I am not embarrassed, and it's the story that brings me to send you a long distance hug every single week. So welcome my friend to Consider Yourself Hugged, episode 61. Today's hug, session two, stress club study for women. I'm not mad. I am Dr. Tammy West here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. <sighs> I hope you and your family and your friends and maybe your colleagues are all surviving your time together or maybe even your time apart or your time homeschooling your kids when you normally don't or your time working in a more challenging environment or whatever it is. I hope that you're doing well and I hope that this study is going to help you just do some growth, you know, while we have this weird time going on. So last week, or no, yes, last week, we let, I forgot on my Facebook and Zoom, I did it daily, but here we're doing it once a week. So we laid the foundation and talked about the happiness formula and the importance of choices, which I'm going to come back to over and over because that's really what the rest of this book is about, choices. And remember, or if I didn't say it before, let me mention this book and my study, they are not about what stresses you out or how you feel when you are stressed out or any other other factors that, or, you know, stress management. It's none of that. It is about the concept of how we as women talk about stress. But this, this chapter, which is titled, I'm not mad, is really even more than that. It's so if you have a husband or a, or a, a friend who's male, have them listen to this because if you grasp this concept I'm going to teach you today, it can change your life in many areas, not just stress. And I can almost guarantee you that no one has ever said to you the the phrase, oh, critical discursive psychology. You've probably never heard of it before, but unless you read my book or you've heard me speak, but you are about to. Yesterday, remember I talked about, nope, last week, remember I talked about noticing I think I said I in the beginning I was just noticing things like well must be nice blah 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 or wish I could take a nap or go to a movie or just wait till you have kids you know your your life might not be as good that kind of thing so why do we talk this way when I wrote my first book life without the monsters I was already intrigued by this concept of how women spoke about what I called then stressful situations. And the way I described it in the book was I called them stress competitions. I also said that we as women talk in a way that sort of puts us in the martyr role, um, that no one ever helps, no one ever does anything, and I'm selfless and I do everything and I take care of everybody. Women, now that is a whole other topic about expectations and what women do or don't have to do. But what I'm saying is, when I wrote that book in 2006, I used the word stress all through it. And I talked about stress management and competing with stress and all, all of that stuff. 
And actually, it's for that very reason that I don't sell the book anymore. Because I have to rewrite that. It's, I mean, I stand on everything that I said at the time, and everything else in the book. But now that I know what I know about stress, I just can't sell it till I fix it. And then fast forward. So when I talked about noticing, noticing these things about conversations, when I went to to do the dissertation and I was trying to explain to my faculty what I wanted to study, and, and a few of them would say, oh, I think what you meant to say is you want to study how women cope with stress. Nope. Or you want to study how women live stress or how it affects them. Or I'm like, no, it's none of that. It took me a couple of years, I think, before I found a field that would allow me to study what I wanted to study. And it's called critical discursive psychology. I will also just call it discursive psychology or DP. What is it? It sounds like a really fancy term, but it's really not. What it what it focuses on this field is the fact that when we talk, there is an action that is being accomplished. Okay, one of the things that we do when we talk is we create our identities. We tell people who we are. And stressed out, if you can see me, I'm doing air quotes, is an identity. Just like woman, wife, Christian, daughter, um, kind, energetic, stressed out. The, all of those things are identif- identify who you are. But when it comes to this field of discursive psychology, you don't have to flat out say you're stressed out. You create, I mean, you. we do sometimes, but it can also be creating this identity when you talk. So just act like you're raising your hand. Um, I just want to ask you this question, and I'm going to assume that the majority of you are going to raise your hand or say yes. And the question is, have you ever said, I'm not mad before, even though you were? I know you're going, well, yeah. So it's somebody at work, somebody at home, and you are acting different than you normally act, whatever that might mean. And the person says, are you mad? And I'm a, I've done it a million times before. I'm not mad when you really are. Well, let me go. Let me tie that to language and why I titled the chapter this way or the, yeah, the chapter that we're talking about today. We tend to think of language. In fact, some of the definitions include insights into your mind, insights into your heart, what you think, what you feel. So let's set the stage or, or put that together with the are you mad? Well, if somebody says, are you mad? And the language you say is no. Well, then if language really is an insight into your mind, what you're thinking into what you're feeling, then the answer is no, you're not mad. But we know that you said it sometimes, but you really are. So this field of critical discursive psychology allows us to ask different questions about language, different questions about life experiences. So the question is, what is the action that's happening when you say, no, I'm not mad? What's the action that is occurring there, regardless of what you think or what you feel? And, and we've all said phrases that indicate we know what other people think or what they feel. You've probably said before, well, she thinks the world revolves around her. But we can't know that. We can't know what she thinks. But what we can study is the action that happens when you talk. Talk is purposeful. Okay, so how does it work then? For any given topic, there are ways in which we talk. There are phrases that we are used to hearing. These topics could be anything. It could be stress. It could be marriage, football, politics, decoration. I mean, it could be 
anything. But considering what we're living through right now, let's use something timely as our example of ways that we talk. And then we'll talk about stress a bit as we move along in the study. We'll be using this concept the whole time. So let's look at the concept of our appearance, our our personal appearance, like hygiene, makeup, hair. We're going to use that to study or to talk about the three components of discursive psychology. The words are very fancy. I'm going to try to make them very simple. The first concept in the field of critical discursive psychology is what are called interpretive repertoires. If you do have the book, I'm on page 38, and I should have said before, if you missed the Kindle promotion that I did last week, just email me or send me a a social media message, and I'll send you the PDF, um, which is basically just paper. You're either going to have to scroll through it on your computer or print it out, but I will send it to you because I'm not selling anything during this pandemic. Okay, so number one is interpretive repertoires, and I'm on page 38 toward the top. A woman named Margaret Wetherell is actually one of the founding members of this field. I contacted her when I needed help from someone who knew the field, and she agreed to be on my committee. So she actually signed off on my dissertation. But this is how she describes interpretive repertoires. She says, When we speak... We are joining in with a long history of ways in which people have packaged up the world and made sense of it. We're joining in with loads of other people's voices and a kind of conversation that's been going on for a long time. I think that is so beautiful. So we're just, I sort of, I envision when people talk, and this is why I said this can help anybody, not just women. I envision whenever there's a there's a topic and we're about to talk, there's these little word bubbles and phrases floating around up in the air, and you pick and choose what you're going to say. So let's talk about the personal appearance thing. So for any given topic, there are choices. And but wait, wait, back to stress for a second. We've been talking about stress for years, and we're just joining in with the conversation. I want to make sure I said that first. So personal appearance, up until I'd say Marchish sometime. The, the themes or interpretive repertoires or the ways that we've talked about appearance have revolved around beauty, professionalism, designers, style, pride. You know, there's been this way of talking about appearance. But today, oh my gosh, look at the memes on social media. Now we talk about it as being hygiene is more about just being a necessity, Like, have I bathed in the last four or five days? Um, Maybe the theme is that it's overrated. You know, we don't really have to put on makeup every day. Um, Maybe it's about your personal style, which kind of sweats you're wearing, about being cozy and content, and also about survival. So it's changing. The way that we talk about personal appearance and hygiene is different than the way we used to talk about it. Okay, so that's the first thing is what are ways in which we talk about stress, football, hygiene, marriage, singleness, Christmas, whatever it is. So the first concept in this field are interpretive repertoires. The second concept is the concept of subject positions. Now remember earlier I said one of the actions that can happen when we talk is that we create identities. So we create different types of identities in stress. And we're going to talk about all this through the book. Today, I'm just introducing the concept. So let's stay with our theme of hygiene, personal appearance. Um, 
so again, prior to March, we might construct our identities as the way that we dress as being attractive. So we would position ourselves within this theme of maybe talking about um, personal appearance in light of beauty. So maybe we say that we are attractive. The way that we dress and talk positions us as being attractive. Up until Marchish, today, um, what I did one day is I did a Google. Uh, sorry, I got on Facebook, and I looked at some of the memes that have been posted. And here are some of the things I saw people write. Some within the stayed within the realm of my personal appearance is in the realm of being professional. But some of them not. So here's one thing, a comment somebody made it. Always, oh, sorry, forgot to tell you this. So there was a picture on this particular thread of, it looked like a, a sticker that said I voted, but instead it said I showered, which I thought was really funny. And here are some of the responses. One person says, I've always showered three times a day ever since I was 10 years old, and now I'm 54 years old. So they're sticking with that common theme. They're presenting themselves as being um, maybe clean. Another person said, actually, since I'm in Florida, I've been letting my hair go curly, so I have to take a quickie shower almost every day. I mean quickie. Another one says, now this is on the total opposite. I feel like the girl from Saturday Night Live when she puts her hands under her armpits and then smells them. That's my shower barometer. Okay, so she's like constructing herself in a different way, maybe laid back. Maybe she's um, presenting herself as being also in the fold like the rest of us. So that's her identity maybe is, I'm like you, I'm funny, Um, I'm stinky, but it's okay. See how different that is? So that's the second. And I promise you, today if you're going, "Eh," I am going to wrap it up at the end of this, but we will come back to this multiple times. And so the last concept is not one I will probably talk about much at all because it's not it's, it doesn't fit in too well with what I studied, or it's, it just doesn't, it's, maybe it's too complicated, it's too deep. But the third one is what's called ideological dilemmas. What that means is during the course of a conversation or between one conversation with one person and then a conversation with another person, we might change our minds. There are risks when we talk. So let's, let's talk again about this, this theme of cleanliness. If I were talking to my boss, I probably would not say I feel like the girl from Saturday Night Live, oh, if I had a boss, that smells her armpits. That I probably wouldn't do that. That's a risky thing to do. What I probably might say to my boss is, oh, if the shower thing came up, I've been showering every day since I was 10. So there's, there's better word choices or safer word choices and riskier word choices. So when we're talking, even in the realm of one conversation, there might be a dilemma of how to create myself. Or I might create myself differently with a friend versus a boss. I hope that made sense. In fact, let me read, let me read an excerpt. And I'm on page 41. I will read it multiple times. It was one of the most powerful um, quotes the whole time in my whole book. And if you're with me again, on page 41. So this is one of the ladies in my study. Her name, um, fake name was Alice. And let me talk about, she's pregnant for the first time. She's, and, and these are word for word, which means the grammar, I'm going to say, it doesn't flow well, but you'll get it. Alice says, I think sometimes people are like, oh, I'm not stressed out. And I'm like, well, you must not have a lot going on. So let me pause there. So she's talking about stress in the way that we have for a long time. 
She And she doesn't like it when other people are not stressed. Okay, because she's like, you must not have a lot going on. And she keeps going with that. Now she says, I know that sounds bad. I just want you to be honest about... And then she leaves that theme and she goes to the next. People, especially before I was pregnant, like if I said to some of my friends that have children, I haven't slept and I'm tired and I'm stressed at work. And people will say, just wait till you have kids and that kind of thing. And it's like you're not validated if your suffering is not the same. So she doesn't like it when people aren't stressed, but she doesn't like it when people act like she's not stressed. Do you see that dilemma? And so that conversation, especially the last sentence, it's like you're not validated if your suffering is not the same. That's the epitome of the whole thing when I talk about how women speak about stress. What I want us to do is change that. I don't want us to validate one another based on how stressed out we are. And that will be the heart of the rest of our weeks together. So let me recap and then we'll close out. These sessions will be fairly short. So the field of discursive psychology studies what happens when you talk with someone. And one of the things that can happen is you can create an identity, which we will come back to later. And you don't even realize when you're talking, but three things happen. First, you're choosing from interpretive repertoires or themes. You're joining in with the way that we've always talked about a certain topic, for example, stress. So you join in with the theme somewhere. The second thing is by doing that, by making word choices, number two is subject positions. You position yourself in the conversation and you choose an identity. So your identity might be um, something like, I'm like you all. I'm stressed out too. Here I am. And then the third thing, sometimes when you're talking in the midst of a conversation or you're talking to two different people, you have a dilemma as to which word choices you grab onto and how you position yourself. It could be that a conversation, you start feeling judged like Alice, and so you switch and start defending yourself. It could be that you're talking to a boss versus a friend. But we do have dilemmas, and we, we, we start picking word choices that are safer, regardless of whether or not they reflect what we think or we feel, because it's a safer choice in that particular conversation. I'm going to revisit that many times coming up. But for now, that is our time for today. I continue to pray every day for our country, our leaders, for your roles, for the people affected. And I sincerely hope that you will join me in doing that and in staying mentally and emotionally healthy. As always, please pass the show link along to a friend or two. Subscribe, rate, download, all of those things help us to grow. Head over to TammyWest.com to get information if you would like for me to speak at your next event. Please have an event. Please have an event. I have no idea when that's going to happen. And also, you will find um, any promised links. I don't know if I linked anything to you today, but I might put a link into discursive psychology. I would love for you to follow me on Facebook and social media. Those links are in the show notes. And if you are a woman and you have not joined my private Facebook group, The Stress Club, please do that now. It will be your daily source for exiting this life of stress. And the link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and growing our special community. And as always, I want to end by telling you, I pray each day that you remember to love, to serve, to feel worthy, to grow, to connect, to change, 
and to be the best person you can possibly be for yourself and for the other humans in your world. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.